All right, this right here is a preview for my other podcast, The Sweetie Anna Project. What we do on The Sweetie Anna Project, it's dedicated to unsolved cases and trying to solve groups of cases that are connected. In Season 2, we are going to Lawton, Oklahoma. We are trying to get information and trying to connect the dots between six women who were murdered between 1999 and 2003. Authorities actually believe there are 12. Us at the Swediana Project, we believe that there are even more before that and after that that could possibly be connected. So if you are a true crime fan... Highly suggest you get on this one. Uh, We are just now, I think, in the third episode. Well, actually, next Friday we'll be dropping episode three, which is an interview with an anonymous member of law enforcement. You can follow the Sweetie Anna Project anywhere you listen to podcasts, along with social media, Instagram, and Facebook, not Twitter. So just type in Sweetie Anna Project. You can follow along with the cases. We just started season two. So if this case interests you, I highly suggest you subscribe and take a listen. There are a lot of other cases that deserve as much attention that don't have Showtime documentaries, that don't have books, that don't have this, that, and the other. And with season two, when we start looking into the murders of sex workers in and around the Lawton, Oklahoma area, and then we're going to start connecting the dots to all these, this is crazy. And the best part is I have help from local people in the area. Uh, I've been getting fed information for the last three, four months about this, and it's hopefully going to shed a lot of light and bring a lot of attention to some unknown cases out there that are quite possibly connected in the work of more than likely some kind of serial killer or a small group of people all working together on this. I don't know yet. You know, that's just speculation on my behalf, but that being said, Sweetie Anna Project, Season 2, we are going to be hitting Lawton, Oklahoma, and here's why. There were five to seven deaths of sex workers who worked the same road in Lawton, Oklahoma. It's Cash Road. These victims either knew each other or had the same mutual friends. According to authorities, these deaths started in 1999 and ended in 2003. According to me, these stretch all the way to 2017 into the present day. There are still people going missing and unsolved homicides even up until the time of this recording in November of 2021. You can look into it yourself. Look up Missing Girls Lawton, Oklahoma, and it's going to blow your mind. Now, from 1999 to 2017 alone, there are 15 deaths directly related to Lawton, Oklahoma. Six were ruled a homicide. Those are unsolved. Five were undetermined. Those are unsolved. Eight of which of those 15 were sex workers who worked the same road in Lawton, which is Cash Road. Four 
of these victims were last seen leaving the same group home in Lawton, Oklahoma. Two out of those four victims were found in a mass grave in New Mexico with other victims, seven of which are still unidentified, and it was a big mass grave. Nine women and girls are still missing, and they were all last seen or from Lawton, Oklahoma. Then we have 19 potential linked cases from the surrounding areas, including New Mexico, Arkansas, Texas, Mississippi, and the list goes on. And to add to that, we have nine Jane Doe cases, two of which were ruled undetermined, one ruled homicide, not much information on the other ones. We're going to get into those two. This is going to be a big season. We're going to have interviews. We're going to be discussing these cases. We're going to be getting in-depth. There is a list of suspects. There's a list of theories. We don't know what's going on, but we at the Sweetie Anna Project are going to try to give you all the information that we can so you guys can formulate your own theory on what you think happened. And above anything else, we have to get this information out to the public. So feel free to share the episodes, share the information. Go to the Facebook page, Sweetie Anna Project. You can hit the Instagram page, Sweetie Anna Project. You can email me, sweetieannaproject at gmail.com. We want to get this information out there. We want to get some kind of resolution going. There is a lot of connecting of the dots that we're going to try to do. There's a lot of stuff going on in Lawton, Oklahoma, and we need to get to the bottom of it because these women are dying, they're disappearing. And it doesn't really seem like anybody cares. And like I said, even after 2017 to the present day, we still have more cases to cover. So you can join me every Friday morning at 10 a.m. is when a new episode will drop. The last Friday of the month is going to be a dark week. So technically you'll be getting three episodes a month that other week I will be using to gather interviews, record, edit, everything else for the following week or two, and basically get all my affairs and uh, information organized and in order. So I hope you join me on Fridays at 10 a.m. Let's try to figure out what's going on. And for those of you who are just starting this podcast, I am your host, and welcome to the Sweetie Anna Project Season 2. Welcome to Lawton. This is a true story, but the opinions of people interviewed or talked to are just that, opinions, not facts, unless stated otherwise. Opinions stated by witnesses are not to be seen as the opinions of the Sweetie Anna Project or anyone working for the podcast, and the credibility of those opinions is to be determined by the listener. Everyone is presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Welcome to Season 2 of the Sweetie Anna Project, where we are going to be diving into some unsolved cases from Lawton, Oklahoma, and the surrounding areas. 
The first five cases we are going to cover are the five closest connected cases. The ones that authorities believe were committed by the same person or persons. After that, we are going to dive into cases before 1999 and way after 1999 because there are a lot of cases and there are still a lot of missing women out there as well. So to start off, we're going to be talking about Jane Marie Chafton. She was 28 at the time of her death. She was born December 20th, 1971 in Glendale, Arizona. She came from a very big family. She had five brothers, four sisters, and she spent her childhood between Texas and Mississippi. Her father was a tech contractor, and according to one of her sisters, her parents were alcoholics, so it made life a little bit rough at times. Now, Jane wanted a stable life. She ended up getting an accounting degree from Job Corps in Marcus, Texas. She worked as an accountant, and she started her own family. She had a son. And eventually, she got tempted into drugs by a friend and spent about two years on cocaine. And this is possibly when she might have started sex work. She hit rock bottom. She really did. But after which, she got treatment and she was trying to get her life back together. So from where she started to where she's at now, everybody hits rough patches. We've covered this kind of stuff in season one, so nobody here is new to this. Uh, we don't judge people here by their lifestyle. Everybody is human and deserves the same amount of attention on their cases. So she ended up moving to Lawton, Oklahoma in August of 1995. She held a job at Susie's Salon for about three years, and she was taking care of her son, and she actually got engaged as well. Now, I've heard two different reports. One says she worked at Susie's Salon, which was like a barbershop beauty parlor. The other account says that she worked at Susie's Massage, which was like an oriental bathhouse type parlor. Kind of a, you know, shady massage parlor type deal. I've seen Susie's Salon more times than I did the massage parlor, but I still have to give you both sides of that information. Now, it's probably around this time where she got back into her drug habits. We're not exactly sure when that started back up again. Now, she was last seen on August 9th, 1999 in Lawton. And at the time, she was staying at a Motel 6 in Lawton and told a friend that she needed a ride to Duncan, Oklahoma. Jane then called an unknown cab company but canceled them, saying she already had another ride. Four days later, on August 13th, 1999, that's when her body was found. A passerby sees her body partly submerged in Sandy Bear Creek in some shallow water. Now, Sandy Bear Creek is about six miles northeast of Velma, Oklahoma, and it's in Stevens County, right across the county line. Now, this is a rural area, like super country, and it's about an hour east of Lawton. Now, when her body was found, she was nude. 
she was so badly decomposed by the heat, humidity, and the elements, there was not much evidence to gather from the body, so they could not determine a cause of death. There were no signs of trauma, but they did find traces of cocaine in her body, and Jane had a known drug habit, so that would naturally make sense. Now, I did also read that authorities said she did not die of natural causes. Now, if there was no signs of trauma found on the body, I'm kind of curious as to why they would say that, but there was also no clothing found at the scene, and she ended up being identified by fingerprints and tattoos. Now, the big connection that we have in these first probably eight cases is that these women all worked the same road. They worked Cash Road. Cash Road is not a great place. There's lots of sex work, lots of drugs, lots of shady low-rent motels. This is where a lot of these women go missing from, or they're either found there, or that's where they're last seen. So that's one of the huge connections that we're going to have in all of these cases. Authorities did not have much to go on, for obvious reasons. You had bad decomposition, you didn't have any witnesses. One of the things that um, law enforcement had problems with is some of the witnesses that they were trying to interview who might have seen a vehicle that she got into or something of that nature. They were on drugs at the time of questioning, or they were on drugs at the time of her disappearance. So a lot of the information that they were getting was not very concrete. You know, they couldn't really go on much if they don't have much. There's a big lack of evidence with the decomposition. And to be honest, depending on the heat, depending on humidity, elements, insects, bodies of water, a body can decompose in like 30 days to pretty much skeletal remains. So I think within that four-day range, they did get lucky in the fact that they were able to identify her by tattoos and fingerprints. So the case pretty much went cold. Authorities were looking into it, along with the other four tightly connected cases that ran through until 2003. And some of these cases have more information than others. And some of these cases also have some of the same suspects. So in 2004, after the fifth girl was found, the fifth woman with a tight connection to the first four, an analyst from the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation finds out that these deaths are possibly connected to other murders of sex workers whose bodies were dumped along the I-40, I-35, running through about three other different states. And this is where John Robert Williams and Rachel Cumberland come into play. Now, he is one of the huge suspects in this case, along with a lot of the other Lawton disappearances and murders. Now, at the end, I'm going to express some of my concerns with this and try to toss around some ideas. But John Robert Williams was a long-haul trucker. He was arrested in 2004 for the murder of Nikki Hill. She was a sex worker as well. Rachel, his girlfriend, was charged as an accomplice. 
Now, he ended up being convicted of the murder of her in Mississippi. But he later went on to claim that he had killed upwards of 30 sex workers over the course of 20 years in at least three different states. One of these suspected victims was a sex worker from Oklahoma City by the name of Jennifer Hyman. Her body was found in 2003, and it was found a few days after she disappeared. Kind of fits that same three, four-day window. Now, the victim had been picked up at an Oklahoma City truck stop. She was later strangled to death and dropped naked under a bridge in the Tallahatchie River in Mississippi. Williams and Cumberland were charged in this case, but those charges were later dismissed due to lack of evidence. So John Robert Williams was also implicated in at least nine other murders, including some from Oklahoma. Of the ones from Oklahoma, most of them were sex workers whose bodies were discovered in almost the same state as those bodies in Lawton. One is Samantha Renee Patrick, 20 years old from Yukon. She was found partially clothed, strangled behind a grocery store in 2003. Another one was Casey Joe Pipestem, 19 years old from Oklahoma City. She was found naked in a creek near Grapevine, Texas in 2004. Another one, Vicki Helen Anderson, 44, from Sire. She was found naked off Interstate 40 in Gray, Texas in 2003. Sandra Richardson, 39, from Oklahoma City. She was found in Akfuski County, which is north of Interstate 40, in 2003. We have another one, Sandra Beard, who we're going to talk about. She was aged 43 from Oklahoma City. She was found naked in a ditch near Interstate 40 in 2003 as well. Because of the proximity of victims to the highways and the interstates, John Robert Williams ended up becoming known as the I-40 killer. And there's a lot of people that think he started his spree in Lawton. And that's because these victims share a lot of similarities. Now, looking at his timeline, it would kind of match up with this theory, okay? The killings in Lawton stopped in 2003, supposedly. I don't believe they did. They're still going on. But this is around the same time they popped up in Oklahoma City and elsewhere, now, him being a long-haul trucker and preying on sex workers, this is easy for him, if it is him. Now, Williams was only charged in a handful of these killings, and of those charges, he only was convicted of the one, only the Nikki Hill murder in Mississippi. Now, him and his girlfriend probably killed more. You don't just do this one time and quit. And then the fact that he bragged about it just brings to light more possibilities and so many more victims that could be attributed to him. But evidence is a huge thing, and there was just not enough evidence to justify any more charges. So him and his girlfriend are just sitting in prison, and until he possibly decides to you know, admit to more murders, or she does, then that's, uh, that's, that's where we're left, so. 
one of the other major suspects is a dude named Corey Morris. And this guy is messed up. In April 2003, he was arrested in Phoenix, Arizona in connection with the deaths of six sex workers. Corey Morris's arrest happened because his uncle discovered a decomposing body in his camper. The victim was lying face down on the bed under some blankets and a sleeping bag. Corey Morris is believed to have slept in the same bed with this corpse, which had been decomposing for at least three days before it was found. And this is a camper that he had sometimes lived in. Now, when he was arrested, he admitted to police that he lured women with drugs and then strangled five of them during sex. The thing we have to know about Corey Morris that makes him probable in Lawton is that he grew up in Oklahoma City. His mother lived there. Now, the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation sent an agent to interview him in connection with the Lawton murders, but he was never officially a suspect just a person of interest. We also need to know that the other women that he killed were also nude and found in rural areas of the country in creeks or ponds. And this started in 1999. They had similar physical appearances and they either knew each other or had the same mutual acquaintances and had lifestyles that included drugs and sex work. This is what the investigators said. And Morris was actually living in Oklahoma during that time, but it's not exactly known where. One of the things that bothers me about John Robert Williams and Rachel Cumberland being responsible for the Lawton murders, and it's, it's a minute detail, might not mean much to some of you, but the fact that he's a long-haul trucker. Now, unless he has a secondary vehicle, or she did, or they knew somebody who did, because I don't necessarily believe that one person is involved in all of this, or even two people for that matter. We have two very good suspects, theory-wise, but I think there's more to it than that. They seem a little convenient. So the thing that bothers me about the trucker thing is if they didn't have some kind of other vehicle where the bodies in Lawton were dumped like the first initial five or not even the first five but the five that are so closely connected they drew attention is that their bodies are dumped in rural areas and in these areas from my source in that general location you can't get a truck down a lot of those roads, not a semi, not a big rig, anything like that. And the one thing my source also told me is that if there is a semi going down one of those small back roads, it's so rural that any kind of neighbor anywhere around is going to notice that and they're going to think something is weird with that. Because it's a rare occasion for those of you who are not from the country or anything like that, which I am. If I'm going down a country road, there's maybe five or six times out of the year. And I travel country roads every single day to work and back. There's maybe five or six times a year that I'll see a semi coming down those roads. And that's because it's usually a local person and they are either going home or they're leaving home to go on the road. 
or they know that it's a shortcut through that area. And a lot of times they don't take those roads anyway, even if they're local, because there's not that much room for two vehicles on country roads. I mean, there is room, but there's not a lot of room. So if they're in a semi or a rig or whatever the case might be, they're going to be noticed. They're going to stand out. Somebody's going to see something. Somebody might say something unless they're local, unless they live there, they're from there, they're seen there all the time. But, like I said, they could have some kind of other vehicle, four-wheel drive truck, anything four-wheel drive nearby, they know a friend, they have a friend, they have a partner in crime, or they have a girlfriend, like Rachel. You know what I mean? So that that's one of the small, minute details that bothers me about this. The Corey Morris theory is pretty legit, but here's the deal, he's, you would think he would admit to these, you know what I mean? And the same thing with, uh, same thing with John Robert Williams. The dude was bragging about killing 30 sex workers in three different states over the course of like 20 years, you know what I mean? You would think that something like the Lawton murders he would definitely admit to those. Now, whether he did or not, and he just didn't have the specific information to where investigators took him seriously, I don't know. But these murders range from 1987 to the present day. We're concentrating on these first five or seven murders through 1999 to 2004 and five because they are the most closely connected and similar. And then we're going to kind of backtrack and we're going to go over Jane Doe cases. And there are still a lot of missing women from that area as well. Most of them had worked Cash Road as sex workers in Lawton. So I hope you stayed with me through this first episode. Next episode will be out next Friday, 10 a.m., going to keep a regular schedule here and you know there's going to be some cases that don't have as much information as others if it's that kind of case I might put two cases in one I really don't like to do that I think every victim deserves their own episode so I don't know we'll see how that all works out I also do have some interviews coming up as well so like I said been working on this for a few months now so um, ways you can get a hold of me you can always contact me anonymously. I will not violate that trust. If you have information, if you have a tip, if you know rumors, if you've heard something, I don't care. You can email me at sweetieannaproject at gmail.com. Get a hold of me on Instagram, sweetieannaproject. Whatever you do, don't hit up my Twitter. That is a dead account. I'm locked out of it. I can't even get back into it. So just don't even bother there. You can also visit the Facebook page. The Sweetiana Project's really easy to find. I've been posting about these cases for the last couple weeks now, trying to get everything going and get some attention going and stuff like that, so I'm not really hard to find. Before I let you go, I do have to state some sources for information here. We have the Oklahoman, a newspaper article from April 2002. We have BizarreUnsolved.com. May 2020, article written by Tiffany. Interview with Jane's younger sister that was published in the Lawton Constitution. We have okmag.com. Charles Sasser, September 2011, 
good blog there. We have the OklahomaColdCases.org. They did a seven-part series on this, which is absolutely amazing. It's from 2020. We also have okmysteries.wordpress.com, and we have newson6.com, a great article from April 2003. And if you want any further information, those are some great sources. Obviously, I try to find sources from anywhere and everywhere as long as they're credible, stating factual information, not speculation and rumor. So, until next time, stay safe out there.